Welcome to the second episode of In Context. This is a CCSU Journalism Department podcast done by CCSU Journalism students. I'm Christina Bachman, your host and producer. Sports. We have an all-sports episode for you this time around, specifically on football. On our roster is how the fear of head injuries is shaping the game for child players, and students Ryan Jones and Trevi Alicoli sat down with CCSU football players to chat about the Blue Devils' historic season this year. Thank you for listening, and let's talk head injuries. Football is America's game. But though around 100 million fans watch the Super Bowl every year, fans playing football is a different story. High school participation in tackle football has dropped nationwide by 11% and by 13% in Connecticut since 2009, according to a November report by the New York Times. Concerns over head injuries, especially the neurodegenerative disease CTE, or chronic traumatic encephalopathy, contribute to the drop in player interest. The risk has activists like New York legislators pushing for an all-out ban on tackle football for children under 12. Got a couple concussions in my time, I think four overall. So you played all four years, a concussion a year? Just about. That's Ryan Jones. He's sports editor for CCSU student newspaper The Recorder. He played football all throughout high school. Got knocked, not unconscious, but like I blacked out for about 20 seconds after I got hit because we just went head to head, which is not right, but it happened. And after that, I had no idea what a concussion felt like. I thought I just had a weird headache or something. So I would be still going to practice, still playing in a game, I think, a week after. And then one thing I remember from that first one, I was sitting in math class, which is not my strong suit to begin with, but it was like an advanced math class, and I'm sitting there looking at the clock, and it was 9.50. And I looked back up, and it was like 30 minutes later, and I had no recollection of any of it. So when you got hit and blacked out, did your coach do anything? Like, did they sit you on the sideline for a bit? They didn't know either, I think. Because I, I don't know, I didn't, like, fall to the ground unconscious, but, like, I fell to the ground, was, like, woozy getting up, and I don't know if they were directly just not paying attention or something, but I still played after that. Were you taught to lead with your hands and shoulders or with your head? So I remember, you know, you're taught to wrap up, lead with your shoulder to, shol- uh, shoulder to like, chest region and do that. But the thing is, is that while they're teaching that, like, you're watching games, you're watching NFL players, college players, at the time especially, you know, launching themselves at each other. And the thing is, is that football, the equipment used compared to other sports lends itself to that. You know, you have a bunch of pads on, you feel like you can do whatever and not get hurt so guys are launching themselves at each other while I played rugby before there's no pads the concussion rates a lot lower because it's all about form tackling you know wrapping a guy up around the legs bringing him down and I think that's better and I think that's the way it should go but unfortunately just what people don't do the game's changed since Jones played coaches and players say football is safer now more than ever when done right Patrick Foley is a biology teacher and former football coach at Conard High School in West Hartford. Now a coach for a six-year-old son's flag football team, he says he's seen safety standards improve. His six-year-old's flag team now has a strict no-contact rule, for example, that wasn't in place when his 11-year-old played flag. I did see in the early nascent stages of our flag league, there, was, there wasn't that uh, expectation. There was blocking on the line of scrimmage. There was downfield. You can use a stiff-arm technique on a, on a potential uh, flag pulling who's trying to tackle you in that context. And uh, I do remember saying to my wife, I was like, this is even more dangerous. This is more wild than Willie. 
but the league rules now are much more definitive as far as the lack of contact, which does make it a much more fun, fast, and uh, safer game in that respect. When he coached at Connard, Foley underwent several concussion refreshers. And to coach little players like his six-year-old, he had to be certified by the USA Football League. He thinks all coaches should have that kind of rigorous training. I, I, do, I do think that there's a lot of people that haven't had the exposure to that USA football. I, I, I mean, that was, it, was, it was enlightening, eye-opening. It was impressive. It was well-organized. They have someone who is actually a contact specialist. And he's a former NFL lineman. He's, he's talking about the differences of the way he was taught and the way that they're trying to mold people to play with contact now. And they use actual physics terms. They talk about force deflection and how leverage is, you know, in wrestling and other sports that, that involve uh, using your, your opponent's momentum against them. I mean, it's almost like self-defense in some regards, but it's, it's, it's well documented. People that are exposed to this technique or this mindset of how to, how to teach contact I think we'll see that the game, can't you can play it without your head. Foley says injuries are inevitable. He himself got injured many times during his 13-year football career. But Foley never got a concussion, he said, because of his coach's techniques. And since West Hartford has precautions in place, Foley sees no need for a complete contact ban. In, in my personal experience, we've got well-intentioned, educated, and you know, appropriate structures in place to make it a safe game. I don't think we're at a point in our small little bubble here to where we need to be regulated at the state or the federal level for that. Senior Freddie Allen is an inside linebacker for CCSU's football team. He's played contact football for 17 years, starting at age 5. Junior year of high school, he got a concussion, and he's experienced hard head collisions even at CCSU. But the game's changed for young players, he said. Still, Allen can get behind the ban if it means safety for his future children. If some states feel like that this will help kids learn or develop the game of football in them, progress and do tackle football, then so be it. I'm from Massachusetts, and the high school rules now is they can only have hitting one, uh, once a day. So at the high school level, let alone youth football. I see um, when I was in high school, I refed flag football, and a lot of the kids were in middle school at that time. So, um, and I actually like seeing kids playing flag football first so they could develop the game and then get used to it. Um, so I totally agree with the rule of some states banning um, the contact hitting, although I might not like it right now. Later, down, later on in the road, if I have a child, I'm definitely going to lean towards that. I see players getting concussions and, and they try to blow it by. So it's a, it's a serious deal and um, it, it has to start at a young age. You have to, you have to teach it, and as the game's changing, it's you're gonna have to move along with it. A safer game doesn't stop just at methods of play. Peter Morano, a CCSU associate professor of PE and human performance, sees too much inconsistency in how coaches identify, report, and treat concussions. Having certified athletic trainers and educated coaches, Morano said, can solve these issues and prevent young players from developing not only CTE but certain types of dementia, cognitive problems, and depression. A lot of times, the, a child will say, I'm not feeling well, and the coach will say, all right, have a seat. You know, just relax. We're not going to force a seven-year-old to play football. Uh, but they may have sustained a head injury. And, you know, they go home, and they're not feeling well, they don't say much, um, and then the symptoms go away. So now they've had one unreported concussion. And maybe a year or two later, they suffer a second concussion. 
and that one maybe or maybe it doesn't get reported because they're still young kids. So by the time a first concussion is actually medically documented, have they had prior ones? And there's no way of knowing. One of the issues uh, regarding safety in, in youth sports in general, specifically youth football, is the wide variety of coaching backgrounds, education, and knowledge. Minimal um, medical training they have, which is typically first aid and CPR, might not be adequate enough to recognize head injuries when they happen. Without banning the sport in general, like I said, the, the sport has some inherent risk. The risk is minimal, um, but educating coaches and adequately staffing um, with, with medical professionals like athletic trainers is the, probably the easiest and smartest thing to do in the short term. But even with all of these improvements, will the recorders Ryan Jones let his future little Ryans play football? I'm yeah, I'm feel? still adamant I I wouldn't personally. If you're not a six foot six, like two hundred whatever pound guy, like if you're not the best at your position, all state, all whatever, then at that point, like what's the point of you playing college football? What's the point of you playing high school football? Like it just to me, like the danger of it doesn't equal out to the positives you gain from it. And it's such a even in high school, such a toll to put on someone's body that I just don't, I just wouldn't personally. What if they start young? Because kids start really young in the little league, right? I think that's even, yeah. almost even worse, to be honest. Uh, you know, you're just teaching kids from a young age to be barbaric and line up against each other and hit each other. I have no problem with the sport of football watching it, but for me personally, I don't know if I would let my child do it. It's much slower the smaller they are, though. There's less of a risk for injury when they're little. That definitely does factor into why you would let them play. I agree with that. But um, I, I just feel like that's kind of setting themselves, setting them up to be want to play in high school, want to play at the next level, all that stuff. When, like, I had a lot of fun playing t-ball. Wasn't really a lot of concussions in that, you know. wasn't Or the sport of baseball doesn't really lend itself to many concussions going forward. So, I mean, I don't know. I think there's better alternatives, definitely. So you go to a lot of CCSU games, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think that the way they play is safe? Like, just watching them? Um... I think so. I think uh, as players grow in the levels, especially today, they're reinforced more, don't lead with your head, especially now because it will be a penalty to the team. Uh, they're trying to eliminate kickoffs, which is where people literally just hit the heck out of each other for a, couple, like for a play. So I think that's a trend in the right direction. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still going to be, it's not safe. It's not flag football. Thank you so much, awesome. Ryan. Thank you. From the recorder. Yes, check out the recorder every week, sports <laughs> section. Just the sports section, Just not the rest of it. Thank you to student George Atwood for the ambient noise you heard at the start of that segment. And now, Ryan Jones joins us again with assistant sports editor Trevi Alacoli to talk about CCSU's golden football team, the Blue Devils. All right, what is up, CCSU sports fans? Welcome to the first installment of our currently unnamed sports show. My name's Ryan Jones. I'm your host. I'm joined here by my co-host, Trevi Alicoli. Trevi, say what up. What up, what up? Thank you. We're going to be talking today about a sports team that had a historic year here at Central. Real quick, Trevi, do you mind breaking down some of the numbers from this team real quick? Of course. This team finished the year 11-2, and two, school record wins. Um, they were undefeated at a 7-0 conference record in route to the championship, top 20 scoring offense and defense, 
12 all-conference players, the NEC Offensive Player of the Year, which we have in this room today, and the Coach of the Year. Of course, we're talking about the Central Connecticut Blue Devil football team. And if you guys watched any of the games this year, you'd know just how good this team was. So we brought them in because we wanted to see not only to talk about how good of a season this was, but why exactly it was such a good season. And so I'm joined here today by two guests. If you guys want to go quickly around, say your name, position, and what you think the name of our podcast should be. <laughs> well, it's Aaron Winchester, your quarterback, and uh, I don't know. Put you on the spot already. Yeah, right? <laughs> I got right, you don't have more. to think of it right now. <laughs> if, you, if you get any ideas, just jump back. Please chime in. I got you. Uh, my name is Michael Mushaw. I'm a linebacker. And name uh, Beyond Blue Devil Sports. I love it. I love it. It's an early contender for sure. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, sure we got some. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Number one. So I'll jump into things real quick. You know, you guys entered this year with a new head coach. You guys knew him, obviously, Ryan McCarthy. Uh, a new quarterback in you, Aaron, and essentially what some people saw as uncertainty. You know, we weren't sure what this team would look like on the field. And, you know, it ended up you guys got 11 wins. What can you attribute to how smooth everything went this year? What was the one thing? And if there were any, what were some of the challenges you guys faced? Uh, I think just the challenges was the missing pieces, filling those voids that we had from the, the previous seasons. And I think that what helped us out the most was the coaches that were here with us and the keeping the same coaches. You know, there were no real big changes. We always knew, we always had a, in mind that Coach McCarthy was going to be the head coach, and we all had faith in him and trust in him to do the right thing. So I think he put him and Ken, Coach Ambrose put the offense in great positions, and Coach Ravio put the defense in great positions. Yeah, I think you know uncertainty is you know the best words you can describe, especially you know my journey you know individually. You know, not knowing, you know, what was ahead for me coming up here, you know, taking a leap of faith, you know, I call it. And, you know, but as far as the season goes, I think, you know, like Mike said, it was just like a, um, a camaraderie thing. You know, we knew that, you know, we know what we had. You know, we had an opportunity, you know, to go out there and, you know, compete every week, you know. But nobody can, you know, foresee, you know, the success that we had, you know, this season. So, you know, I think, you know, as game week in and week out went, as the season went along, you know, we got more confidence in one another. And um, I think the maturity of, you know, the guys in general, you know, both on and off the field, you know, showed. And I think, you know, having that combination of, you know, maturity and good guys in the locker room, you know, obviously led to a lot of wins this year. And, you know, obviously the offense this year put up some insane numbers. And apart from that, the defense did as well. Mike, can you talk about how you guys got to, I think it was, what, sixth ranked in the country in defense? Uh, last time I checked, they were sixth, right? Still yeah. sixth? Yeah, I think so. But I think it was just uh, just our chemistry on the defense. You know, I don't think we've had that. We've had it in the past, but I think this year it really reached new heights, and and we're all working as one. Everyone's trusting each other, and we did our jobs that we needed to do. The defensive line, you know, they they filled their, their run gaps and they stopped the run gap and the passer, the quarterback when they needed to, and the linebackers. We very few of us made any mistakes at all. You know, we grayed out pretty well each game. And, you know, defensive backs, they made plays almost every time. So I think everyone was working as one, and that's what led to our success throughout the season. And you guys, obviously, I think you had a handful of guys just graduated from last year. Schematically, defensive coordinator, what did what did they do to put you in a position to win? Like, what was the game plan, game in and game, game out? Uh, I think the game plan was pretty much the same throughout each game. It was do your job, trust in one another, and, and we'll finish strong. And... And just do your jobs. 
offensively, same thing for you. What was the offense going into every game? What was the game plan? Honestly, it was just, you know, more more so ball control, not turning the ball over. You know, we, we knew, I, I knew during camp, you know, what kind of defense that we had. We had a lot of guys, very good guys coming back, you know, guys that stepped up, you know, into new roles were also very good. So I knew that, you know, they would give us opportunities, you know, turn over, turn the ball over, you know, for them taking the ball away. And, um, you know, offensively, we just uh, take care of the ball, take care of the ball and, you know, capitalize on our opportunities in the red zone, you know, capitalize on third down. And that was it. I mean, we necessarily, you know, obviously you want to score every time you touch the football, but, you know, that was just our mentality is, you know, don't don't try to do too much. You know, don't try to, you know, just make plays happy, let the plays come to you. You know, when you got a defense like I had, you know, this year, it's, you know, the – the, the scare sense, you know, if if you will, kind of goes out the window because you're like, you know, I can, I can take a shot to Tyshawn with at least double cover because I know I have a good defense behind me that can make a stop. So, you know, I think just that confidence, you know, of us, you know, having, you know, the chemistry that we had, you know, throughout the summer and that we built, you know, helped, you know, during the season. You mentioned Tyshawn. I was going to ask you about Tyshawn. Mike, you could chime in too. Talk about his amazing season. What 900 yards, double-digit touchdowns when you add the rushing. So what what did he do this year? How was he so successful? Honestly, I just I think Tyshawn was being Tyshawn. You know, and the crazy thing is, and if he hears this one time, is I think that he could have a lot better year. You know, he knows that too. I think he's just scratching the surface as far as a player that he can be. You know, at the receiver position, like I said before, coming in as a quarterback and making that transition, and you know, having to be, having him have this type of year. You know, for him should do a lot. Of, you know, good have good confidence going on from here on out. And um, just being that guy, that, that that guy I can go to, you know, when you know when it's crunch time, when it's time, you know, for the players to make plays. Just being that guy day day in and day out, and he's shown that through camp, through practices, and you know during the games as well. So week in and week out. So you know, I'm just I'm just excited for him for this year, and I'm excited for where he can go. You've been around NFL receivers, so can you make the comparison mm-hmm. for Tyshawn? Do you see anything any pro receiver in Tyshawn? Absolutely. You know, as I've said before, he reminds me of Rob Davis, who uh, got drafted in the sixth round by the Redskins, uh, at least with the Eagles now. He, uh, body-wise, are the same. Like, they're literally, like, it's identical. It's crazy. You know, but I think that, like I said, just him being Tyshawn, who's scratching the surface of his ability, you know, as a receiver, you know, because it's not an easy thing to just transition from a different position. Especially you know? with his work ethic and his mindset, yeah. Ty. seen him grow over the past two and three years, and Ty's really, his work, he doesn't want to get beat. He'll never be beat. His mindset, it'll never be, never lose. So everything's a, a learning thing. And, you know, he's going to continue that. And he's going to be a lot better le- next year. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you that right now. Absolutely. Quick hits. I'm going to say the order, first game to last. Just first thing that comes in your mind, what you guys, how you guys played, what you guys, your feelings right now, obviously. Anything you can think of. Fordham. Learning. <laughs> Definitely learning. Merrimack. Sleepy. Slept, slept on them and... Had to wake up. Yeah. Or we would have lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Valparaiso. They spanked him. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what it was. Yeah. It's the truth. <laughs> All right. Eastern Michigan. The turning point of our season. Yeah. Wake up. Quickly, I want to just focus on that game a little bit. Why do you say it's the turning point of the season? Well, I think going into that, you know, as players and as, you know, everybody involved coaches too you kind of that's that's a team like that is like your measuring stick you know where you, what you can do 
And I think that, you know, I know especially for me, and Mike, you can chime in on this as well, it showed me that we can compete with anybody in the country. That really just showed us that we have our 100% every game and we can beat anybody. At Sacred Heart. Disrespectful. Enjoyment. Why? They had, they had us scheduled at homecoming. <laughs> so definitely, I know, I know, I definitely use that as motivation for us that week. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, to have your rival scheduled for homecoming is something that I didn't take lightly and nobody on our team did and it showed in the scoreboard. I don't think they will be doing that again anytime no, soon. I hope not. <laughs> they weren't. Columbia. Funny. Because those guys, like, you think, you know, Ivy League guys, they don't really talk too much. Those guys talk the most <laughs> trash. Yeah. The coaches, too. Coaches talk trash. Those guys talk trash. That's facts. Bryant. Breakout. 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 Yeah, sure. <laughs> Home again, LIU. Fun. It was, uh, it was a good game. And I know they were chirping a lot during that game as well. Oh, yeah, so of course. That was hurting me. They, they was hitting. Mm-hmm. I will give them that. They were the hard-hitting team. <coughs> Whereas, you know, the record didn't show up, but they were very physical. On the road, Wagner. Mental test. Yes. St. Francis U. Um, that was a lot of emotion. That was an emotional game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was highs and lows of that. You know, I think for me that was, for their higher thing that's transpired in those last, you know, few minutes, <coughs> for me it was just like, it was like a book. You know, you can't write a book, you know, especially with this guy in the sack, you know, and having Illinois be there, you know, him pointing up to her. And that's he made that happen. It's you can't you can't write a better script than that. So it's just book worthy. Book worthy. Mike, do you want to get into that just a little bit more? Obviously it was a special day for you, so do you have anything else to say? That game was just like you said, it was it was it couldn't have been written any better. Um it was just amazing to have them there and for the team to pull together how they did and you know, I think we were all fighting offense, defense, coaches for Eleanor and her family and I think we all wanted to get that win for her and you know, we knew the the price uh, of what we need to do. So it was happy game, uh, emotional game, like I said, but it was, it was great. Quick update. Can you give us a quick update on young Eleanor? Eleanor's doing great. You know, I just FaceTimed her the other day. Um, she's running around still, just like you saw on the uh, nightly news. So she she's amazing, and I can't wait to, to send her a Christmas gift. Can't tell you what it is, but. <laughs> You'll see, Eleanor. Can you give us a hint? I can't. No hints. Fair. Last home game, Robert Morris. Champs. Champs. Still the deal. Ring season. It feels like this whole team just has an unbelievable bond. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. More than any usual football team? Without a doubt. Yeah. It is, and as you know, you, would, you wouldn't think so, you know, especially for me coming in as a one-year guy, you know, you would think, you know, and then having a new, you know, a new coach, you know, in a sense, yeah, that would be, that would be like a struggling aspect of it. You know, but from the get-go, you know, I knew from the get-go it's, it's more than just football, you know, with these guys. So, you know, when you have that and you have also have athletes that can go out there and make plays, you know, it's, it'll be tough to beat. Two more games. You, All right. These are going to be juicy, I can Finish tell. Finish it out, Trevi. Last regular season game, this meant more than usual. Away at Duquesne. Revenge. Yeah, I'm <laughs> not going to say payback. Sweet, sweet you, you please explain how this was a revenge game, what happened. Uh, respect. They gave us no respect. They disrespected us. Uh, we went back and repaid their favor much worse than well, what they deserve. They deserve that. All right. Um, finished playoffs. First of all, what was the feeling going into the playoffs? Just before we get into the odds and what were you guys thinking? S- satisfaction? What was? What was uh, I think we, were, we weren't satisfied yet. I think we definitely knew what we had 
uh, coming before us, and I think we were all ready to go out there because we, we want to go as far as we could. Not not satisfied at all going into that week. We knew, you know, what we had to do, and um, I just think that, you know, during that course of that game, some teams just have your number that day. You know, they were just better than us that day. And uh, But as, as going into it, we didn't – it was the same approach for us as been all season. Doing – just talking to Coach McCarthy, I – I feel like injuries were a big part of that game. I know you were banged up a little bit. Um, Dexter got banged up. The defensive line got banged up. Can you say anything about that? Does that make it any difference? I mean, you you want to say it doesn't, but it does. I mean, uh, we all know the truth. You know, when you got you go from you know having Dexter Lawson out there, who in my opinion is a top cornerback in this in the conference and one of the best in the country. You know, it's you know it's, it is what it is. You know, it happened is something that you know we've been dealing with all year as far as injuries go. You know, but I just think, you know, sometimes it's hard to overcome, you know, because especially, you know, at this level when you don't necessarily have as many scholarship players either, you know, that that does play a part in it in depth. Let's go into something a little bit more lighthearted, okay? So what we wanted to do was do, like, a class superlatives, like class clown stuff, but okay. for your team. So uh, real yeah. quick, I just want to run through who would be team clown? Maybe defensive uh, side. Defensive side. Yeah, we can get one on each side, yeah. too. Okay, defensive side, clown would have to be Mishan or B-Rock. Definitely B. Offensively, Oslay, honestly, Tyshawn. But he's out there cracking jokes. That's great. And after that, let's go to best dressed. Deontay. Yeah, backpack. Keontae, yeah, Keontae got a little swag about him. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's different levels. You know what I'm saying? I think that I got the, you know, the grown man swag, you know. Yeah, yep. you got the old man, oh, grandpa swag. Yeah, you know. It's all about the old man That's swag. That's what I'm saying. First, like, 40-degree weather, shows up in full hat, <laughs> gloves on, it was cold out winter here, jacket, man. 40 degrees. Do you have the sauce or the juice? I got I got the sauce. I got the juice yet. Got Not lost in it. Not lost in it, though. Mm-hmm. Can't get lost oh. in the sauce. Uh, next to smartest, book smart or football smart? Offensively. It is. It's probably Alex Hawkins. I read the quarterback that registered this year. He is as intelligent as I've been around, both on the field and off the field. He's a very, very smart guy. Uh, defensively, I think Tajik might be the smartest. Pretty sure I saw his picture on the board. So I think Tajik. <laughs> <laughs> he reads defenses and he reads books clearly. Yeah. So it is. Last question is kind of around this sort of thing. What you guys, as we mentioned before, are a real close team, and you, know, you, you guys are brothers on and off the field. What was one of the funniest stories you guys can share with me about that you have from this season? During uh, you know, this the Thanksgiving break and stuff, you know, Coach McCarthy was making sure everybody had the place to go. So Coach McCarthy asked his uh, Rome, Steve, you know, uh, one of our quarterbacks, you know, where are you going for Thanksgiving? Because obviously it's Florida, so he doesn't have a place to go right now. And then he, Rome just looks at him and he's like, can I come to your house? And then Coach McCarthy's like, yeah, of course. He's like, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Are you going to have cornbread? <laughs> and Coach McCarthy just starts busting out laughing. He goes, I'm going to ask. And he's like, I don't know if I can do it without cornbread. That was pretty funny. Yeah, that was pretty funny. That's a deal breaker if he doesn't. Definitely. For sure. For sure. What are some Next other up. funny ones? You got some funny ones? I, I mean, can't think right now. It's been some uh, stuff that's happened that we probably shouldn't be, you know, putting out there. <laughs> yeah, something. Definitely that. Please do. But uh, <laughs> we'll ask that after the interview's done, yeah, yeah, yeah. off the record. A closing question for me, you know, we just talked about funniest moment for you guys. Obviously, as we mentioned, it's been such a successful year. You guys killed it on and off the field. 
What, if you have one, what was your favorite moment or favorite play even from this year? I think, honestly, for me, you know, was just honestly seeing this guy get that sack at St. Francis, you know, just understanding, you know, having a glimpse of, you know, before coming here what he did, you know, for that, that, that young lady and, like I said, how that everything just transpired into how that happened and the fact that he got, you know, made that last play to end the game. Like I said, it's it's something that you write of out of a movie, you know, storybook ending, you know, for that. And just seeing that, you know, and seeing that that you know all come to fruition is for me. That was like, man, that's something that I'll never forget. Yeah, that was definitely my 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 favorite moment of the whole season. You know, just that whole weekend, uh, the Friday, seeing her for the first time, and actually meeting the family and watching her run around, and just it really puts it, puts it all in perspective of of how you can't take any day for granted. Uh, just be thankful for the life you live and how healthy you are right now. Yeah, so that was my favorite moment of the season, and then just ending it the way we did, and just having the team you know fight for her. It really just showed you how much how much chemistry and how much of a bond this team has, and that's why we were so successful. I'm not gonna lie, my my favorite play was also the game ending sack. Yeah, <laughs> I bet you guys yeah, that also was crazy. That. Yeah. that was yeah, he's all right, well, that's all the time we got for today. We just want to say real quick, thank you guys, Aaron, thank Mike. You. you know, this has been great. We appreciate it a lot. Uh, leave some suggestions for a name for us. Uh, I mean, we got Blue Devil Beyond. Aaron, you Blue got Blue Devil any? Beyond, I like that. I like the Blue Devil Beyond. It might just I have might, to stay. I like, I like I might charge I like for that name. Yeah. Pat <laughs> 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 that right in. That's trademark. I like the Blue Devil Beyond. I'm a fan. All right, I'm your host, Ryan Jones. Trevi? Peace out. Thank you, Trevi. Yes, thank you, Trevi, and thank you, Ryan, for that amazing panel. And thank you to you, the listener, for listening to the second episode of In Context. We here at the department really appreciate your support. We hope you tune in next time. Thank you again. Christina Vachman, signing off.